So yes, today's reading is Luke chapter 1, verses 57 down to 80, uh, found on page 1089 in the Pew Bible. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbours, and all of these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our fathers Abraham grants us what that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Amen. Thanks, uh, Harriet. Let's bow, let's pray. <coughs> Father, uh, we ask that you would guide us now, that we would know you better, that we would see your hand at work through the scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> They're a weird mob. It was published in 1957 and quickly became popular. Uh, it's an hilarious Australian novel written by John O'Grady. He wrote it under the pseudonym Nino Colotta. Uh, Nino is the name of the main character in the book. Giovanni Nino Colotta is an Italian immigrant who comes to Australia as a journalist employed by an, an, an Italian publishing house to write articles about Australians and their way of life for those Italians who
who might want to emigrate to Australia. Uh, the book is really a social commentary on Australia's immigration policy after World War II. The humour in the story comes from Nino, who learnt good English from a textbook, but now Nino needs to learn Australian English. And it's true, isn't it? Every nation, every culture, every kingdom has its own way of talking, a, a way of expressing what's important and how to think about life. <coughs> uh, we Aussies, we know this very well. You know, when we export things like Bluey or Kath and Kim overseas, you know, even to America, we've got to change some words, some phrases, some lines, even some jokes, because Australian English is different to the stiff upper lip British English, which is different to the, I don't know how to describe it, American English. Uh, we know, we know, we Aussies, we, we actually tend to prefer even the British humour over the American humour. And so far, I've actually only just spoken about the very various English-speaking countries. I haven't gotten into the differences in Greek or Italian or, or the differences in the nation of the kingdom of God. So what's important in the kingdom of God? Well, the king is important. Who he is and what he's done, what he's like, We've already had those things said to Mary. Jesus is the king in the line of King David. Jesus is powerful. Jesus' kingly reign will never end. Somehow, even if Jesus dies, he'll live on. And that Jesus is God the Son. Uh, this kingdom, well, it, it's very different to any other kingdom in this world. This is a kingdom of grace and mercy. This is a kingdom where God saves people. This is a kingdom where inside God's kingdom, the mighty oppressors are brought down and the humble are lifted up. This is a kingdom where God keeps his promises. This is a kingdom which actually turns the world upside down. And so Christmas, Christmas time, the time when the king in God's kingdom is born, Christmas is about the Lord God bringing a reversal into human history, turning the world upside down. And it has. And it will keep on changing lives. And it will keep on changing the world. Now look, remember, Luke's been investigating the facts of history for a guy called Theophilus. Uh, Luke wants Theophilus to be certain of the facts, even when those facts seem impossible, because facts change things. 
The facts turn the world upside down. These facts confront us with the need to reverse our direction. So let's have another look at what Luke's investigation turned up about Zachariah and Elizabeth and John's birth. If you've got your Bibles there, open them up. Let's have a look at Luke chapter 1, verse 56. Mary arrived when Elizabeth was in her sixth month. And now Mary stays for three months and then returns home. Which makes sense when you remember the sign the angel gave to Mary. Remember that sign? Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And Mary went to see this sign. So Mary would have stayed long enough to see if the angel was right, to see Elizabeth. Is she pregnant? Yes. Tick. Will she have a son? It's time. And this is what happens in verse 57. This would have been a surprise, you see, to Theophilus. You know, the Greek gods were like humans with special powers, which meant they were like us, unreliable, with a big tendency to do only what suited them. They suffered from everyone doing what was right in their own eyes. A God who did what he said, he's trustworthy, who freely gives to others, who's truly merciful, is a God who turns Theophilus' world upside down. And so, verse 58, the rejoicing over the mercy of God would have really caught Theophilus' eye. And Elizabeth's neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. That's actually three promises made by the angel kept. Uh, A son, Zachariah and Elizabeth will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice. That's three things the angel said. Uh, I think one of those relatives who rejoiced would have been Mary. Now, what the angel had said to her, had said to Mary, even though it was impossible, it had to be true, didn't it? And more was to come. Eight days later, at his circumcision, they seemed to want to name this boy Zachariah after his father. These friends and neighbours initially don't seem to believe that an angel came to Zechariah and that what is happening to Zechariah and Elizabeth is from the Lord, or at least they only partially believe. They did see the mercy of the Lord, but they're not so convinced that they accept that this baby has a God-given name. And so first Elizabeth and then Zechariah made it clear The boy is to be called John. In verse 63, Zechariah asked for a writing pad. He wrote, his name is John. And as soon as that's done, verse 64, Zechariah begins to speak. He blesses God 
I mean, did you know that Zachariah wrote, he couldn't speak, but he could write, everyone would have known the story. They would have asked questions, he would have written it out. Uh, this whole situation brings that godly fear to everyone. The mercy of God changes lives and brings godly fear. The, the hills were ringing with this change of life message, which is John, verse 65. And fear came on all their neighbours. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And this wasn't a fleeting thing. This message even got into their hearts. It changed their world forever. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. What's got into their hearts? The history of the mercy of God to bring John into the world and the words of the song, Blessing God. Now, I don't know if this song had a catchy tune, but it definitely got into their hearts. The words of the Bible, you can see there from verse 67. This blessing is a prophecy from Zechariah. And this song changes people's lives even more than Tay-Tay's songs do. Zachariah's words are the result of the Holy Spirit coming on him. They're, they're words of prophecy, words which express God's revelation, words, words which I'm guessing Zachariah had nine months to compose. And Zachariah had three months to take to heart Mary's song and story as well. Mary would have told Zachariah and Elizabeth about Gabriel's visit to her. And so Zachariah knew the Messiah, the Saviour King. Well, he was six months away from being born, if the numbers are correct. Which is why this song blesses God for the Saviour King, who is God himself. And, and again, these words would have caught Theophilus. You know, the Greeks, the Greek gods weren't like this. Uh, look at verse 68. God's coming to his people. He's come with salvation. Uh, this salvation is a redemption. God's going to pay a price to save us. A and notice this, the number of times we're told this salvation is for us. Our. Those words are there again and again throughout this song. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Where is this salvation? In the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. That's how God worked back in Exodus, remember? God visited and redeemed his people. A lamb was paid. 
And so it shouldn't surprise us when John later on points to Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see that this song of blessing is like Mary's song. You know, Mary's song is not about Mary. Mary's song is about God's mercy, his promise, God's kingdom. And Zachariah's song, it isn't about John. There's a little bit about John in there. This song is about God's redeeming salvation. It's about God's kingdom. It's about God's promises. And just like the Exodus changed Israel forever, so God's redeeming salvation through King Jesus changes us forever. Uh, keep reading. Uh, see the promised salvation and mercy. Verse 71. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Verse 72. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. This is all done for us, to grant us, we're told, the things talked about in verses 74 and 75. And again, it's salvation. At last, God has come to deliver, to redeem his people. At last, verse 74, he's going to do what he promised, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him, that's God, without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. They're actually quite striking words when you remember that, well, Zechariah is a priest who, well, he got to serve God one day in his life earlier on in Luke's Gospel, and he did it in fear and trembling. The day has finally dawned when God's going to do what he said, change lives and enable those who follow his king to serve him in holiness. They, they will truly belong to God a and righteousness. They will live as God's people should. We've actually already been told in Luke how God will change lives. The, the angel told Zechariah back at in verses 15 to 17. It'll be the work of the Holy Spirit changing people's hearts, which is what Israel needed more than anything. And what, well, what maybe you need more than anything as well. Especially, especially if you're, well, a half-hearted Christian. The Christmas and Easter Christian in verses 76, Daddy Zachariah is talking to his baby son, John. And he says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, 
for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Now, now that would have been memorable and even caused a stir. There had not been a prophet in Israel for hundreds of years. A prophecy of a prophet is just another turn-the-world-upside-down Christmas event. A prophet to prepare the way for God himself and to give the knowledge of God's salvation. No wonder this spread through the country. No wonder the people took this to heart. And again, they're being told about salvation with this prophet. And note, John's not the one that saves the people. No man could. No man could provide true forgiveness of sins. But he could call people to repentance and tell them about the one who could forgive them. This salvation and forgiveness, it happens here for a reason. Because, he says, God is a tender and merciful God. Verses 78 and 79. Uh, again, the compassionate mercy of God is front and centre. God's the God of new starts, who's always ready to shine on his people and guide our feet in the path of peace. How's it going to happen? Well, as we'll see, John's got a very simple message for Israel. And the message is, humble yourselves and repent. And that's where it starts for everyone. But we get that message a little bit later on. The story of Christmas, it has an introduction. An introduction which focuses on turning people back to God and turning the world upside down, the Christmas story stands upon the message of God coming as the Saviour King. He's coming to save by redeeming. He's doing this because of his tender mercy. He is Mary's child. Jesus is God the Son, the Saviour King. Jesus came to pay the redemptive price to save his people from their sins. Uh, this turns Theophilus' world upside down. For Theophilus, the Greek gods used humans to fight their petty battles. A God who is true to his word, and who is concerned about humans, a God who does the work of salvation for us, a God who is tender in mercy and gives to us what we don't deserve, is game-changing. Game-changing for Theophilus, game-changing for us, world-changing. It should change your life. It, this is the message of the kingdom. This, uh, this is God's words for his nation, his kingdom. 
But what about you? Will you walk into the kingdom of God and take Jesus as your saviour king? If you do, I'm going to say, you'll be surprised by joy as you live holy and righteous lives. If you have taken to heart God's tender mercy and the knowledge of his salvation, if you've done that, well, if you do it now, if you do it for the first time today, Here's a way in which you can actually do it with a little prayer. And if if you've been half-hearted in your walk with Jesus, in your walk with God, and if you, like Zachariah, you want to obey God, I'm going to say commit. And again, you can do it in a little prayer. In fact, I'm going to pray this little prayer. And as you pray this, you can take Jesus as your Saviour King. Let's bow. Bow with me. And just maybe make this your prayer today. Dear God, I know I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am guilty of rebelling, sinning against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die in my place, that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my Lord. Amen.